following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are raw on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1995's Jumanji, directed by Joe Johnston, starring Robin Williams, Bonnie Hunt, Kirsten Dunst, Bradley Pierce, David Allen Greer, Jonathan Hyde, B.B. Newworth. Adam Han Bird and Laura Bell Bundy. Jumanji is a 1995 fantasy comedy film based on Chris Van Allsburg's popular 1981 picture book of the same name. The movie currently holds a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? When young Alan Parrish discovers a mysterious board game, he doesn't realize its unimaginable powers until he is magically transported before the startled eyes of his friend Sarah into the untamed jungles of Jumanji. There he remains for 26 years until he is freed from the game's spell by two unsuspecting children. Now a grown man, Alan reunites with Sarah and together with Junie and Peter, tries to outwit the game's powerful forces. Okay, Jumanji. This was the winner of the Listener's Choice poll. 175 people voted for this and I kept a close eye on this race from the beginning to end and it was Jumanji versus Space Jam. These two movies were tied almost continuously through this entire thing. It wasn't until the very last day that, that Jumanji pulled through. Final results, Space Jam, 82 votes. Jumanji, 93 votes. Well done, guys. Unfortunately. Well done. Kevin was dying for the Space Jam. Huh? I really yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. I actually wanted to watch Space Jam. I had Jam my, as well. my basketball fill, though, today. Yeah. When Joel pulled out the NBA Jam for Sega Genesis and we had a one on one battle. All right. So, Jumanji, what is your history with this? I think, like everybody else, I've seen it multiple times, whether it's on TV, I saw it in the theaters. I mean, we were the perfect age for this movie. Yeah, I've seen it a bunch of times. I don't remember if I saw it in the theaters or not, but definitely as soon as it's out on, you know, the old V. VHS. I was watching it, but I've seen it a ton of times. This is definitely a, a movie I look back on fondly in my childhood. Yeah, I've seen this a tons of times too. I saw it in the theater, I believe. The one thing I remember the most is I remember when I went to go see Toy Story in the theater, the trailer was attached to this, and I remember being very impressed by how loud it was. The close-up of the dice mm-hmm. dropping and the animals stampeding, that really impressed me. I was like, wow, I need to see this movie. So let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Robin Williams. It wasn't his best performance. I'll put it that way. I, yeah, I don't think any one of us look back at this thing so fondly because of the acting in it. Yeah. I'm not sure anyone really brought their A game here. Kirsten Dunst? I'm not sure yeah, anyone was... really brought their <laughs> A game here. I liked Robin Williams in this. He was a lot of fun. He had a lot of wacky facial expressions, a lot of screaming. Okay, next up, Bonnie Hunt. <laughs> she was fun. I yeah, she, she, was, she was She was. She was. She was, right? she was on par with, with Robin Williams. Look, I didn't think anyone stood out as being bad here, but I mean, I think they all played the roles pretty well. The only person I thought in this movie who acted well was David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer! Yeah, he was he was, he was great. He was he was the best part of this movie. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Amazing. Couldn't go that far. Tremendous. He was terrific. Gigantic. Enormous. Gigantic is the only adjective <laughs> that actually fit. <laughs> you know, he was great. I'm always happy to have David Allen Greer. Humongous. Yeah, oh yeah. I think uh, 95% of the things he said in this movie was just like a guttural scream <laughs> like a shocking <laughs> moan. <laughs> like a, yeah. uh, uh, hey, this is my car! 
Do you read the script? <laughs> <laughs> All right, the kids, Kirsten Dunst and Bradley Pierce. I don't remember anything that Bradley Pierce said. I remember him being a monkey, yeah, jump, the, jumping around. The kids were all right. It wasn't, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to, to judge kids, really. I mean, for me, a good child actor can stand out, but I don't necessarily notice it in any other situation than that. They're just kind of there. I got a little uh, fun fact about this Bradley Pierce kid. It may surprise you. He was a bit of a voice actor as well. You may know him better as the voice of Chip in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, oh really? And he played Tails in Sonic the Hedgehog. Whoa! Whoa. All right, next up, Jonathan Hyde, the father, and Van Pelt. You know, all these years, I had no idea that he played both roles until I read it on Wikipedia today. Really? I feel so foolish. Yeah, I had no clue. Oh, I knew He's that, even as a that kid. good. Yeah, he's I that good. Was he was my favorite actor in this movie. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. I liked him better than David L. Greer. He was so, <laughs> he was, at no small feat, you know? <laughs> he was my second favorite. Uh, I, He didn't really have much to say as a father, but as Van Pelt, he was really enjoyable. Yeah, he was, he was a lot of fun as Van Pelt. Wait. He was in The Mummy? <laughs> Jonathan Hyde? He was the expert. He, right? He was the expert who had the book. He's like, don't read from the book. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. That was him. Yep. Awesome. Steven Sommers, you did it again. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I mean, across the board, everybody did a pretty good job with this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Well done. Okay, so let me give you the brief history of Jumanji. Though the plot differs greatly from that of the book on which it is based, the ending of the film is very similar in which the game is found by two other young children. In the book, the two children who find the game at the end are named Walter and Danny, which are also the main characters from Zathura, a space adventure. The Jumanji animated series ran from 1996 through 1999. In 1996, it was carried by the UPN network. By the way, I watched that all the time. I watched that show. Did you? No, I didn't. I actually Did you have any idea there was a Jumanji show? No, I didn't. I had some vague memory of it, but I don't remember watching it. I, I liked it. it. It was one of those ugly, classy, post shows, but <laughs> Milton Bradley released a Jumanji board game that was equipped with not only the game clues from the film, but also some new ones. In 2007, Fuji Trading Co. Limited produced an exclusive pachinko amusement game only released in Japan. Most of the characters had anime looks in the game, along with unique 3D anime designs, and it featured many pictures and clips from the movie. There are several various missions and minigames that can be played throughout the game. Jumanji did well in the box office. It took in how much worldwide? I'm gonna say 300 million. 480. Kevin wins! Yes! Even though you both went over $262 million. Not bad. For 96 or 95. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. I think I had the Jumanji board game. How about that? All right, I'm pretty curious about this Japanese pachinko game. So let's, let's see what yeah, this yeah, is all about. How hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that was pretty surreal. <laughs> I want someone to translate that for us. Let's dive into this thing. So Jumanji starts off with a... In 1869 with a cold open. Yes, and it has these two kids. They are frantically burying the game. I like that there's a little kind of subtle hint of how serious this game is. Like, the, the one kid is scared of wolves. Like he hears, like, a wolf in the background. He's like, it's just a wolf. Who cares? Don't worry about it. As if he's just went through, like, something a thousand times worse. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, th I thought that was pretty nice little foreshadowing. They buried the game in what looks 
looks like a shallow grave. Yeah, pretty much. In the middle of the woods yeah. and just get back on their carriage and they're on their way. They're out of there. It looked like it couldn't have been any more than like two or three feet down. Yeah, it, So they didn't really wasn't. do that great of a job hiding this thing. I'm more concerned about like where this game came from. I don't think it matters. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, I guess what explanation could they provide that would make you satisfied? A witch doctor enchanted yes. a, yes. a board yes. game. Yes, yes, that's what I want. I want that. I need, I need closure. I guess we're kind of thrown into it the same way the characters are. They don't know where it came from, so why should we know where it came from? It goes from the 1860s to, to the 1960s. It does, and we meet young Robin Williams. Now, you two were not pleased with this guy's performance. He's such a dorky-looking kid. <laughs> not only that, but he is just really unlikable as a character. Yeah, he's kind of weaselly. He doesn't look like he would have any of the charisma that Robin Williams has. <laughs> it's, like, impossible to think of that kid growing into Robin Williams. I can think of him growing up to be a postal worker, maybe. Something like that. But Robin Williams is, like, very, like, active, very in-your-face with his... Yeah, flamboyant. <laughs> but he's definitely very energetic, and this kid is, like, very, like, he's very sedated. Okay, so little Robin Williams... Uh, Robin Jr. <laughs> <laughs> he hears the... the Robbie, Robbie Willie J. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he hears the, the pitter-patter of drums in the distance, and he goes into this construction site, and he finds this wooden box that these kids had buried 100 years prior. He pulls it out, he finds Jumanji the game, and he takes it home. So, so one of you two, describe what Jumanji is. Jumanji is a board game that is, the only objective is to it survive it. It I, is a it piece look like? of, it looks like it's made out of three pieces of wood that were hand-carved and hand-painted very meticulously and then have been weathered over a period of time. In like 1830 or something, right? Like it looks right, really old. exactly. And it has a jungle theme to it. Yes. The game looks pretty simplistic. Like, it looks kind of boring. Yep. Like, I, I don't know if I would want to play it initially. I mean, it's basically just from each of the four corners of the board. Get to the end. It's just a path that winds into the center. It's it, yeah. And that's it. Right. All the stuff happens. What, what we would normally associate to what's written on, like, cards that we would play appears as written words in the center. There like is... the ball. Almost. Yeah, there, there is no actual objective to the game to beat other characters. The only objective is to finish the game and not be dead. It's not like Candyland. Just get to the end. Is it? I haven't played Candyland in a really long time. Because reading not required for that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let's just uh, fast forward here. So the, the dad wants to send little Robin Williams to an all-boys school. He's not down with that. And he's got a little girlfriend with him. I don't know, some girl comes to visit him to play the game. They play Jumanji for the first time. Yep. And uh, the first roll unleashes... Bats? Yeah. She rolls first and bats come out of his chimney. Okay. And the second roll traps Robin Williams in the game. I took the liberty of printing out all the hints. So let's relive the magic. Are they hints? They're really just more just descriptions of your punishment for rolling the dice. Because it's like, why'd you play this? <laughs> you no, like every what? time you, you roll the dice, you have to look at the screen to see what your punishment is for rolling the die. But it's in a cute little, you know, rhyming riddle. At night they fly, you'd better run. These winged things are not much fun. And then uh, in the jungle, you must wait until the dice read five or eight. That's the best one in the movie. That's the most memorable, I think. Yeah, so describe the effect of him getting sucked into the, the board. Well, it's, it, at first his fingers become like flat and elongated, which didn't really look that good. But then his whole body starts to become elongated and he turns into almost like a twister and gets sucked into the center. It reminds me of Stephen Sommer's 
liquid soul effect in the mummy. If someone's getting sucked into a black <laughs> hole, this is what it would look like. I'll tell you that much. Considering what time frame this is, I thought it was a pretty cool. No, no, no. For 1995 effects, this looks pretty good. By the way, thanks for reminding me. The, my very first IMAX movie that I saw was at the Liberty Science Center, and it was a documentary about special effects. Were you there for that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we saw it in the dome-shaped theater. Yep, yep. It was all about special effects, and there was a huge section dedicated to just Jumanji. Do you remember that? The only thing I remember is when you had the perspective of King Kong. Oh, I remember and you that. fell off the Empire State That was building. awesome. That was terrifying. Yeah, but I remember that. Like they, they did a lot of pretty groundbreaking stuff for 1995. Okay, so Robin Williams gets trapped into the board game, and because the little girl ran off and refused to play the game, he's kind of stuck in this limbo. Mm -hmm. But he's not, like, trapped at the same age. Like, you'd think he would be, like, from a magical spell. Like, he's living an entire lifetime inside this jungle, I guess, inside yeah, I mean, the game. The impression is that it's another world. According to the cartoon It's a world show, called it Jumanji. Is. Yeah, it is a world in the cartoon. So, finally, fast forward in the future, and Kirsten Dunst and her brother, they move into this new apartment, and they think they have, like, bats. They have an exterminator come in, and this exterminator says something grossly inappropriate. <laughs> To kids who, little who kids. to kids who appear to be very fragile, 10, yeah, ten and twelve. Yep. I believe he he says something to the effect of, "I wouldn't be worried about bats if I were you." <laughs> Well, what should we be worried about? I don't know. I wouldn't want to be living in a house where somebody was murdered. His father chopped him to bits. I There's mean, a million places. places his, his body could be hidden here. Could be here. Could be there. Under your bed, in the toilet, <laughs> in the walls. <laughs> could be anywhere. No, yeah, yes. Uh, he said in the walls, he's like, his body could be here or a bunch of other places when he was chopped up. I'm <laughs> like, I wouldn't go to bed tonight if I was you, kid. <laughs> <It's just weird. laughs> Later, he just walks out. And he wasn't saying it to be like comical. No, like, he was just a freak. Dad's out. Serious. He was being serious. So the kids are in the house and they start hearing the same drum beat that Robin Williams had heard when he was a kid and it takes them up to the attic. I like the fact that only the children can hear it. So this game preys upon children. Yeah, it, it picks specific people that it wants to play the game. That's a good point, yeah. They pull the game out and even though they are supposed to be going to school, they're like, hey, a board game. Let's play. Okay, so even th though that they're aware that something supernatural is going on, it doesn't seem to bother them at all because they search the house, they find the board game, and the second that they realize that this is where they're hearing these African drum beats, they don't care. They just open it up. They're like, cool, a board game. Let's play. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they just blast it open. I will say that this is another situation where we are getting to the action of this movie very quickly. It's like Tron. Yeah, which is good. We're not waiting an hour we, we for the mummy to no show up. There's no reason for us to wait 45 minutes to an hour before we start playing this game. I mean, this, this game's the whole movie, and they did a good job of just getting right to it. 20 minutes or so, you think? Yeah, if that. Okay, so... First kid to roll the dice is Kirsten Dunst, I believe, right? And she gets monkeys. This will not be an easy mission. Monkeys slow the expedition. Spider monkeys portrayed in the film as small chimp-like monkeys. What'd you guys think of the monkey effects? Terrible. Yeah, these were the worst effects in the movie by far. Everything with the monkeys I thought was really stupid. The effect looked stupid. The way they acted was just completely absurd. I think it was supposed to be comedic relief, were, but it didn't It didn't do they're, it They're properly. little mischief-making monkeys. Yeah, but they were throwing knives like they were professional knife throwers. Yes, using Shotguns. They were using shotguns. Motorcycles. cars and motorcycles. <laughs> they looted an electronic store and they, stole television. They, they, used, they know what a television is. They use a police dispatch? Yes. Oh my god, they do. They use a police dispatch. Why? Okay, alright, alright, alright. All right. I'm gonna, let, let me stretch for a second okay. and defend the monkeys. Okay. They're magical. You got it. Jumanji, the game itself, is a magical artifact. We can all agree on that, right? Yep. So let's just say that the monkeys themselves 
rules are just like embodiments of mischief and troublemaking. They're just there to screw you up. Just like the little code hint said, they screw up your expedition. They're gonna, they're like gremlins. They cause trouble. I'm sold. Gotcha. Well done. The first thing that comes out are those mosquitoes. So- a tiny bite can make you itch, make you sneeze, make you twitch. Yeah, insinuating what, it kills you? Well, these mosquitoes are like the size of like baseballs, right? They're huge. Yeah, they go around killing people. A woman got bit in the car. <laughs> what? She was like dead practically. There was, there was one point in the movie where, where, where they're like 115 people have been hospitalized. I'm like, do they all die? Probably. That's one of the side effects of playing Jumanji. Innocent people die. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone dies but the people playing the well, game. Well, they're okay in the end. Well, whatever the case may be, the mosquitoes are gone and the monkeys leave too pretty quickly. Yep. They get out into the town. At this point, everything that was going to hurt them or cause them harm is gone. Why keep playing the game? Yeah, they're two for two right now. Every time they roll that die, something really bad happens. Why do they keep playing the game? That's a good question. Anyone? I mean, I I, I really couldn't figure it out. They're like, no, we have to finish the game. It was a throwaway line by, by uh, Kirsten Dunst. Well, the rules of the game clearly state that the game doesn't end until it ends, right? Yeah, so. Oh, oh, oh well, it just won't end. His fangs are sharp. He likes your taste. Your party better move post haste. Well, so the little boy has to roll again because he rolled doubles, right? Uh-huh. So he had to roll again and he gets that little rhyme, which turns into a awful looking animatronic yeah. lion. Aslan from Narnia. I thought you were going to say an awful looking animatronic monkey man, Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Robin Williams shows up because he rolled a five or an eight. Yep. Yeah. He's freed from Jumanji. He looked like he smelled really bad. <laughs> Like, agree? <laughs> yeah. Do you think he had stink lines coming off of him? Yeah, yes, of course. Big pen. Was there a fly buzzing around his head? Yeah, so he had a huge beard. He had a... Turtle shell hat. Of course. He banana. Had banana leaf shoulder protectors. Cloth. <laughs> his first order of business after returning from Jumanji is to go to the bathroom. <laughs> He's to take a shit. He has to go to the bathroom so bad. He's he hasn't to- taken a shit in 26 years. You can't take a dump in Jumanji. Yeah, yeah. You, you just can't afford to. You, like, you stop for five seconds, I'm just gonna kill you. <laughs> so he finally goes into the bathroom and he sees the toilet and he's like, My God, God in heaven, thank you. The way this is edited is wonderful. <laughs> it's like they cut to the toilet, they cut to Robin Williams' smiling face. Smiling face, like he just got the light of God shown yeah, upon like him. Yeah, won the lottery. And then it goes from toilet, Robin Williams, and then it cuts to, to Kirsten Dunn outside with her ear to the door, <laughs> listening in. While Williams takes a shit. <laughs> I was like, that is excellent editing. Well done. And she has this look on her face like, what's going on in there? <laughs> she really needs to know what's going on. It's like she's hearing things. She's listening to sounds that like she's never heard before. <laughs> that she she can't even understand what's happening in there. If you were him, what's your first move? Oh, coming out of Jumanji? Yeah. Shower. I go right to the kitchen. I food. want some real yeah, food. Yeah, food, food, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. you're right. Food, which is actually what happens in Zathura, remember? The astronaut goes to get yeah. some food. So Robin Williams then wants to find his parents because his parents weren't in the house anymore. Yeah, so and he, he his, runs off to the shoe factory. Yeah, his first move is to run to the old shoe factory. I like that there's shoes littered everywhere, as if there was a shoegasm explosion. <laughs> and just shoes flew everywhere. It was like they just stopped making them one day, and whatever they had on hand, they just threw out the window. Threw out the window. And, <laughs> every, 
And yeah, but it was like every pair of shoes was made out of leather. Despite the fact that there were homeless men everywhere, no one wanted these shoes. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, so now that the, the shoe factory was shut down, the entire town pretty much withered and died because of it. Because this must have been the center of industry for the entire town. So I'm led to believe that this is all Robin Williams' fault. Yeah, because his father was supposedly so distraught that he couldn't go on anymore with the business. So he just shut it down. And- Did you guys get that from the few scenes we got from the father? That he no, I got son? that his oh. father hated him. <laughs> he just wanted to get him out of the goddamn house. He's going to put him up for adoption or something. <laughs> he's like, you'll, you'll be going to Cliffside. You'll be living there. I'm not going to come visit you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let, let's really think about this. So let's say you are a 10-year-old boy, a weak-willed 10-year-old boy at that, mm-hmm. and you're thrust into this extremely dangerous world, this jungle world, mm-hmm. where literally every single thing is trying to kill you every single day of your life, and you manage to survive it for 26 years. What kind of person comes out of the other end of that? A psychopath, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you def- you'd be a sociopath. He'd be you'd like have- a murderer, right? Like he- uh, I don't know if he'd be a murderer. Right? I, he wouldn't, no be, able to, he wouldn't be able to contact. trust anything. Well, he would have human contact with Van Pelt. Yeah. So he'd probably be in- inherently distrustful of every other person. And everything. Yeah. Yeah, fine then. Psychopath. He seemed pretty happy-go-lucky when he popped out of that thing. Well, he returned home. You'd be happy too. Wouldn't you be afraid that it was the game tricking you again? Like it was an illusion? Well, he was back in his own house. You think he would have lost his mind, you're saying? Yeah, like it's an illusionary dream and he just goes nuts. That's not Kills really, Kirsten really, Dunst. That's not really a family-friendly family friendly friendly film. film. <laughs> Listen, to be honest, I don't think he would have survived 10 minutes in that. Which, by the way, this brings me up to the question. Knowing what you guys know, would you play Jumanji? No, it's not a game. Kevin. What do I get if I win? <laughs> what do I get? Bragging rights. Yeah. Who am I bragging to? It just sets me back to me not playing the game at the end. <laughs> you brag to the people you play it with. You'll always have that forever. Like you're the fellowship of the ring kind of thing. Look, if I knew what I was getting into and I could prepare, yeah. you might be able to talk to me like <laughs> I mean, a lot of that stuff wasn't really that bad, right? Getting bitten by a mosquito that kills you, eaten by a plant, eaten by tiger. a lion, eaten by a crocodile, stampede. I mean, if you large had weapons, right? You started yeah, if I weapon. had weapons. Being hunted by a skilled marksman and tracker. But then again, this thing seems to prey on children who clearly cannot defend themselves. That's true. And they also don't know what they're getting into when they start this. Not thing. at all. Yeah, this thing didn't prey on anybody who was like competent or intelligent. So, you know, here's something I was thinking about while I was watching this. There is a trend these days where children's movies, they kind of have this kind of dangerous edge to them where the kids could be killed at any second. Lemony Snicket, Harry Potter, yep. Polar Express to a certain extent was like that. Is this the first? Is this, they were in danger throughout the entire thing. They could have been killed at any second. I think at this point, everybody takes for granted that they're not going to die. Like they can't die. They're the main characters. At least not with the PG rating. Yeah. It should have been a hard R. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you would have been in for hard NC-17 for gratuitous extended sex scenes. <laughs> they all tried to continue playing Jumanji so they can just end this and move on with their lives, but they can't because the game had started in 1969 and there was a player missing from the field. They needed to go get her, the little girl, to finish the game. So they go and they're looking for her and they find her and she's become a psychic. Changed her name. And everything because she was ridiculed to death mm-hmm. because of what she saw. No one believed her. Apparently she spent all this money on therapy to try and make herself believe that this traumatic event didn't happen. And, but apparently, lo and behold, it did. Yeah, Robin Williams 
shows up. They get her to come back. Well, and they don't really get her to come back. She passes out. So you think they kidnapped her? And they kidnap her and bring her back to the house. Nice. And then when they tell her, we're going to start playing the game again, she flips out. out. Understandably. I she has the only realistic psychological yes. reaction yep. yes, to this. It, right. She played in, it very well. In, in any of these movies that we've seen, she acts like a real human being would act if this was happening. Yeah, I like that. When they pulled the game board out, she was like, no! Like, yeah. That's exactly what a real person would do. Yep. I like that. Okay. A hunter from the darkest wild makes you feel just like a child. Yeah, so this is when Robin Williams rolls, and the hunter is Van Pelt, who is this... Manifestation of his father. Yeah, I mean, it's it played by the same actor, and uh, this is my favorite character. Yeah. He starts shooting at Robin Williams and chasing him down. His and, gun is amazing. It's oh, like, it's awesome. It blows these huge holes and everything. It's pretty much something you could take, like, an elephant down it with. Is. It's it's an, gun. It, yeah. it is. It's literally what it is. It's an elephant gun. So, uh, from the rest of the movie on, Van Pelt is chasing after Robin Williams. I love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. This entire time, David Allen Greer has been getting... The short end of the stick. The really short end of the stick. With Left these, and right. These monkeys are stealing his car. They're destroying everything. He's he's really over a barrel with a lot of things as far as a police officer is concerned. A barrel of monkeys? Boo! <laughs> Don't be fooled. It isn't thunder. Staying put would be a blunder. Now here is the single most famous scene in this movie. When everybody thinks of Jumanji, they think of this because they played it in the trailer and the commercials over and over and over again. It's Robin Williams looking at the bookshelf grabbing the board game uh, as it's rumbling because a stampede of rhinos and elephants, zebra, there's some pelicans in there, come blasting through and chase him through this this mansion of his. Yeah, like they stampede through the house. And I thought for 1995, this looked pretty good. Very good, actually. Yep. Like this, this is probably the best effect in the movie. Like they put the most amount of effort into this. They definitely hadn't developed the technology perfectly for shadowing. I thought no, the creatures looked very bright. Yes, I agree. And they I didn't agree. have the shadowing down. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's very nitpicky, but they looked pretty good. They interacted with the environment pretty well. Yes, they did. I thought their movements were spot on. It definitely looked better than something like in Mortal Kombat, which oh, is the yeah, same yeah, year, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Reptile. I think a lot less time and money was spent on that. <laughs> 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 a law of Jumanji having been broken, you'll be set back even more than your token. Okay, so this little boy, he cheats. He tries to beat just, the Just game. drop it on 12 so he can have his piece go straight. that's not going to fly. You know, Jumanji nope. saw this coming. He's yep. like, you know what? You can go straight to hell. Turns him into a little monkey boy. What do you think of this effect? Well, at first, his hands start getting hairy, and he looks like he's just turning into a little Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> And then slowly but surely his face gets hairier and hairier, almost like he's very, very slowly transforming into like a werewolf. Yeah, he looks like Teen Wolf. For, like He looks yeah. like Michael J. Fox in, in Teen Wolf. I think he looked more like a rodent than anything else. He, he eventually looked very rodent-like, and he didn't really resemble a monkey until his ta- like you see his tail later on. Yeah, like he's got this very bashful look on his face. He looks towards the girls like he's embarrassed. He goes to Robert Williams. Like, I need your help, or, or whatever he says to me whispers something. It's like Robert Williams goes, don't worry, bro. I'm going to tear you a new asshole. Because <laughs> <laughs> then he flips him around and grabs him by the trousers, rips his pants open, and this giant prehensile tail pops out. The way he whispers to Robin Williams, you think he has like a secret boner that he has to hide somewhere. <laughs> like he's like, I got a problem, bro. Can't talk to the girls about it. You gotta help me. This whole scene is so inappropriate. <laughs> 
Like if you looked at that scene in a vacuum, <laughs> he, looks, he, he whispers something. Robin Williams. Robin Williams goes behind him. There's pants tearing. <laughs> yeah. Then a giant appendage appears. <laughs> giant hairy appendage. Yeah. Okay. Every month at the quarter moon, there'll be a monsoon in your lagoon. I thought that this was also very sexual. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so at this point, they're back in the house. Yeah. And, and storm. Clouds. Yeah. It, it turns it, the whole house turns into like a rainforest. It sure. fills fills up with water and there's a somehow there's crocodiles. I don't know. There's a crocodile what the there. It, like the world's largest crocodiles in there. Crocogator. Sure. <laughs> crocodile mile. They were slipping and sliding. They were slipping, the... yeah. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the water effect, I mean, the, the crocodile, I don't know. I wasn't too crazy about it. Yeah, more but... you know, it's weird because we're at this point where it's a mix between the computer graphics and animatronics. Yeah. And it's definitely at this point that the computer stuff looks better than the animatronics. Really? I think. For some of it, yes. For some of it, no. The, sp- the spiders, which we'll get to. The lion. The crocodile. Oh, so Davy Allen Greer and BB Newer show up. They break the door down and Hoover Dam's worth of water <laughs> bursts out and like crushes them, right? This would kill someone. <laughs> Absolutely. Because the doors blow out at like a couple hundred miles an hour, right? <laughs> right, right into them. Yeah. I mean, this is we're we're talking about like solid oak doors hitting someone at like 300 miles an hour okay beware the ground on which you stand the floor is quicker than the sand i think that this is the worst effect <laughs> in this entire movie yeah the quicksand effect the uh the, the turning the floor into uh the ripply texture he melts into the floor because the floor is supposed to be like quicksand and he gets his it, it goes down to the point where it's just his face sticking out of it well i got a question i mean later on we see that his feet are sticking out down the bottom of the floor wouldn't it have been so bad for him to be stuck in the quicksand he would have just flopped out on the bottom like he might have broken a leg or something but he wouldn't have died yeah, it might have been really far to fall yeah possibly like, I don't know yeah but somebody just survived getting hit in the face with a 300 mile an hour door that's true so he might you know tuck and roll when he hits the ground it's at this point in the game that, that you come to the realization that they don't need to be by the board to roll the, the, the die and that everything is manifested out of this game board it comes out of it yeah so the powers so then, in the dice yeah the powers in the dice but all the bad things that are going to happen are going to happen out of the board. So it occurs to me, why don't you just grab the die, get in a car, start driving, <laughs> and everybody just start, start rolling the die. Leave the game board oh, in wait. the middle of the woods somewhere. You couldn't, you couldn't, because you have to say Jumanji, and you yep. wouldn't know. Yep. Just have everybody say Jumanji every time they roll the die. <laughs> I think it would say, like, you cheated, and you'd probably, like, die, right? Like, it would kill you. Is it? I mean, is that is that how this thing works? Yeah, I don't think you should try and outsmart the magical Jumanji board. <laughs> You're playing with powers, you have no control over at that point. Need a hand? Well, just wait. We'll help you out. We each have eight spiders. Yeah, so this is when the spiders show up and yeah, they look terrible. They are poor. They, they, were, they were piss poor. Plastic. Piss poor puppets performance. <laughs> <laughs> They move around like very jittery. Yeah, you, they're skittering. It, you can tell that there's someone off screen holding like a remote control. Some kind of freak. I, what? What? Some kind of eight-legged freak. Oh, yeah, David Arquette was in the David background. David Arquette was in the background controlling these spiders. <laughs> they seem more like puppets to me, like like a marionette on a string. And they were just kind of shuffling around on the floor. Yeah, that could be it too. They're really I don't know. Bad. Whatever they did, it looked terrible. And then they would cut back and forth between marionettes and... CG spiders or once in a while from like the far shots. Yeah. And that looked really bad too. I mean, everyone listening to this has seen a spider probably in real life. <laughs> yes. They I would creep. Very slow.
slowly, typically. They have a biological hydraulic system for how they walk. Yeah, they do. Their legs fill with fluid and it like goes out mm-hmm. and back in. In this movie, they're just like they're like jitterbugs. They're they're they're, yeah, they're like rotating left and right, like yeah, mechanically. Yeah, yeah, pretty poor. Like they were wound up like some kind of walking toy. Why, yeah, wind have. up toy. Yeah, like the yep, chattering teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were walking like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're almost there with much at stake, but now the ground begins to quake. All right, so an earthquake that splits the house right in half. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Like and these, these things are all like compounded on each other too. Yeah. I thought this effect was pretty good though, the earthquake like, with the house splitting in two pieces. It looked really good, yeah. Yeah, they did a good job with this. It freed Robin Williams, yeah. so it helped them out with that. Mm-hmm. And Robin Williams has the last role. But it's at this point that Van Pelt makes his way back into the house to confront Robin Williams for the last time. Yeah, he's going to shoot him right in the face. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so Robin Williams just drops the dice on the ground and uh, he wins. His piece goes, he goes, Jumanji. Game over, bro. Yeah, I love this effect back in 1995. It's still pretty cool. It's it's exciting the way that this is set up where all the animals that were manifested by the game all get sucked in in, into a tornado. They whirl around the room. They blow up the house even more. Mm -hmm. There's just so much damage and they get sucked in and, and Van Pelt gets sucked in too. Love I just, I, I really like the beginning of this, like, of this effect when he goes, what did you say? And he fires his gun. Yeah. And, like, the bullet slows down right before it hits him in the face and gets sucked in. And then, like, a zebra bursts through the window, galloping backwards. Yep. That's a great visual. Whoever thought up that, they did a really good job. That was really cool. Yep. But that's it. So that's that's pretty much Jumanji. They all get sucked in and the, the game's over. Well, then, no, no, no. Time almost, like, undoes itself. Yeah. yeah. But for whatever reason, Robin Williams and, and Bonnie Hunt are the only ones that have any recollection of this. Now, they were full-grown adults, like, I guess in, in their mid to late 30s at this time. Yep. Maybe early 40s. They've yeah. lived half a life already. So psychologically, they're adults. Yeah, so they have to live... They have to live again? again? Like they, they, Well, no, no, only Bonnie Hunt has to live again, because Robin Williams never experienced high school. He never experienced... No, he didn't, but he still grew. Yeah, but that's even better, because he's just gonna go through all that stuff. He'll get all the high points and none of the low points, because he's not gonna sweat any of it. Mm-hmm. Right, nothing's gonna get him down. He's just gonna have fun through the whole time, right? Well, so this no, is like a I, gift, and and I think he's gonna take things really seriously too because he's like he knows how precious life is. I mean, it it shows. I mean, he takes over the shoe emporium, <laughs> and I mean, he looks like he's a success. Okay, so let's say that him and Bonnie Hunt live to be eighty years old in this in this universe. In this universe, they're like in their hundreds. Oh, yeah, yeah, God. they get an extra twenty six years of life. It's pretty sweet. Hey, that's not a bad payoff of what they went through yeah. playing the game. So there you go. That's why you play the game. You get like another life yeah, if you can make it through. That's only if someone that's gets only if in, that, right? That, that's only if someone lands on five or eight. And then not, not, else. not necessarily because you can like roll the monkeys and then you just get the hell out. You just leave. You don't play for a hundred years. Yeah, that's true. It's the fountain of youth. You got it. Mm. But you can only go so far because you can't play when you're too old because you might get killed by the... Yeah, that's true too. When you die, does the game reset? Yeah, that's the thing. Like Robin Williams could have been murdered in the Jumanji world. What would have happened to the game? He just would have... Because you need all four players. Do you just take his corpse and like take his hand? and like throw the dice with it. Well, I guess the game would have just ended and like the timeline would have continued. His piece may have just fallen down. Okay, but the other, the other pieces would remain. Hmm. I got a question for you. Now that it's all said and done and uh, the game's over, what was the point of this movie? There wasn't one. Because that was the biggest complaint of like Siskel and Ebert. I, I watched their review and they're like, what was the point of this? It was just a bunch of noise and nonsense. And I was thinking about it the whole way through while I was watching. It's like, what is the 
point of this? To learn their lesson. Which was? Jumanji. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. right, Kevin? J- Jumanji. To see the things through to the end? Jumanji. How does that apply to the kids, the little kids? They had a trauma in their life. Like, they lost their parents in a horrific car crash, yeah. and that doesn't really do anything in the movie. How does that apply to Bonnie Hunt, either? I mean, like, she ran away from a human being getting sucked into an alternate dimension through a game board. All these children have had some sort of trauma, yeah. and is, is this, like, a big metaphor for something? If it is, I'm not getting it. Like, what's the point? It was fun. It is fun. No, I'm not gonna No, 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 it's, no, no, it's, it's fun. fun. I enjoyed it. But there's, just... this is, like, all one-dimensional, like, there's nothing under the surface going on here. I wonder what I would think of this movie had I not have seen it as a kid, and I just watched it as an adult. That's a good question. I don't know if I would be as favorable. What was the lesson in Revenge of the Fallen? Don't give Michael Bay your money. Robot balls. <laughs> Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Director Joe Johnston has made a career of building movies around special effects gimmicks. For Johnston, a story is something to keep the audience awake between set pieces. Owen Gleiberman, Entertainment Weekly. Jumanji takes approximately 100 minutes for four people to play a board game. The result isn't much more fun or involving than watching a few friends play Monopoly. James Berardinelli, Real Views. And finally, the film is a gloomy special effects extravaganza filled with grotesque images generating fear and despair. (laughs) (laughs) What is a Nazi propaganda video? (laughs) Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Wow. (laughs) I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's too accurate. That seems over the top. (laughs) Did you guys feel fear and or despair while you were watching this movie? I didn't have it as a kid. I don't have it as an adult. Okay. All right, so this movie currently holds a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? No. I give this movie a four out of five. And I think you're right. It might be because when I saw it as a kid, you know, it has a special place in my heart. But it's an entertaining movie. And it's something that I would definitely someday, like, have my kids watch. I was thinking the exact same thing. And enjoy watching it with them. Yep, I was thinking the exact same thing. So, I mean, there, there's a movie that has an audience and it played exactly to that audience. I enjoyed the movie. Obviously, I liked it when I was a little kid. I still like it now. I don't know if I give it a four out of five, but I definitely agree with you. I'd like my kids to watch it. I, th- I think it's a classic. I don't think it really has much of a coherent moral to it, and I don't think the acting is that great, but I don't think it really matters because that's not what it's really intended for. It's intended to be fun for the entire family. I'd give it a, a solid three out of five. Yeah, this movie is fun as hell. I loved it as a kid. It's still good now. I mean, like, there's some stuff in it that I probably would cut out that I, I didn't really care for, but it's probably really a three, but I'm gonna go with a four just for nostalgia's sake. What the hell? Let's, after the last one we watched, this was incredible. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, pretty good. Not bad. Jumanji. Alright, we got some voicemails. I'll play those for you right now. To listen to your messages, press 1. What up, guys? Kevin from New York City. This is Crystal from Phoenix. Hey, guys. This is Christopher from Oklahoma. What's up, dudes? It's Leo. I don't Connecticut. yet. My history with Jabanji started when I was a little kid, and I even owned a board game when I was younger based on the film. Can't say enough about it. I mean, I even have a little board game that came out when it first, when the movie first came out. And I even had the board game. The board game sucked, but, you know, whatever. I watched it again for the first time, and it's really entertaining fun. By the way, I love Jumanji. Maybe it's because I watched it when I was a kid, but still, when I watched it as an adult, I love this movie. <laughs> I love Robin Williams. I love the retarded Leaf outfit. He comes back in when they summon him out of the board when they're playing the game. I saw this when I was a kid. Loved it then, and it was... Probably just as good now. Uh, held up really well. 
Jumanji, one of my favorite movies of all time from my childhood. Very good movie, um, but not good as so far as like a movie, a movie, movie, movie. Um, but for kids, it's awesome. Has the special effects, has the nah, mediocre acting. Um, I love Williams, and, uh, you know. It's just a perfect movie to me from start to finish because, you know, you got the beginning where he's just like this little nerdy kid with his rich parents who sort of ignore him. And the, the kid actor for that scene is probably one of the best child actors I've ever seen. He can at least pretend that he is acting. And then, you know, you have a little Kirsten Dunn, but eh, whatever. I had this vein for Kirsten Dunn, which I kind of still do. They, uh, they see the giant spiders, which are probably my favorite part of the whole movie because they're terrifying. It reminds me of a scene of arachophobia. There's, like, big spiders. There's the stampede. There's the evil, what is he, like, a hunter who's after them with the crazy British getup and the little, like, I believe he has a monocle. I'm pretty sure he has glasses or a monocle. Um, the special effects and uh, visual effects seemed really dated now. Didn't look as good. Uh, and that was really great. I remember me and my cousin just to always reenact the scene where they're in the library and he uh, he hears shaking and he goes over to the big wall of uh, books. He's like, run, it's a stampede. And then he goes out and then he's like, oh, the game. Uh, and then the whole big stampede of stuff comes out. I thought that was the most amazing scene ever. One problem with the movie I noticed, when, they, uh, when the uh, stampede came through, totally wrecked the house and then went through the front door. And that was all demolished. The brigade was down the steps. But then when the uh, stepmother, or whatever she was, aunt or whatever, came back with the cop, the front door was totally intact. Have you guys noticed that uh, as well? Jumanji deserves some respect from a guy from a critics. Man, pretty good movie. Uh, I give it four out of five stars. End of new messages. Thanks for those voicemails, guys. Thanks, guys. All right, let me read some listener mail. Terrence writes in and says, Hey, I was just listening to your Sucker Punch review, and I thought I'd leave a message. I'm listening from the land of the blue skies and Genghis Khan. I came to Mongolia in 2009 as a Peace Corps volunteer, and now I'm working as a journalist. It's been a while since this review, but I thought I would send the message anyway. Like the podcast, keep it up. Wow, Mongolia. Yeah, that's He wins awesome. for coolest place so far. Mm-hmm. Okay, Justin writes in about Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. He says, I grew up as a Transformers. Fan, so the way Bay handled all three of these films makes me want to track him down and beat him senseless. Though some of the effects were good, the close-up rotating pan shots ruined most of them. The plot had more holes than a rusty bucket, and the acting was weak as best. But my beef was that Transformers once again took a backseat to the human characters, making them less like the title characters and more like another natural disaster humanity has to survive. What a waste of a great science fiction premise. From Justin. Pretty good. Agreed. Chris writes in about Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. A plea to reevaluate Michael Bay's Transformer Revenge of the Fallen. This is a passionate personal plea. A personal appeal. Yeah. <laughs> a passionate personal appeal. From Chris. In concerns to your recent review of the 2009 film Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, I would like to submit a defense of Mr. Bay's filmmaking. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, which will hitherto be referred to as T-R-O-F, is not an objectively terrible film as reviewers may suggest. Rather, T-R-O-F suggests the possibility of a commercially viable, non-narrative, abstract film. Mr. Bay subverts the preconceived notions of what a summer blockbuster can be, thematically referencing such landmark films as D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation and Al Jolson's performance in The Jazz Singer, with the characters of Mudflap and Skids... (laughs) 
<laughs> Aesthetically, it is not dissimilar to the conventions of abstract film. Although it might be argued quite reasonably that Mr. Bay has failed in making a narrative film in TROF, I would contend that he has simply ushered in a new age of American cinema, one where abstract forms and non-narrative films are commercially viable. Either that, or Michael Bay does a lot of coke and just doesn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> Keep up the great work, guys. Can we now start calling movies that are just absolutely terrible like that <laughs> trough for TROF? Oh, t- <laughs> this movie's really trough. Yeah. <laughs> a trough movie. It's a new genre. (laughs) I'd say that this movie fits pretty nicely in the trough genre. Bod Noir Babe writes in with a question. Hi, guys. I know you like answering fan questions, so I have an interesting one for you. Have you ever changed your view of a movie because of something an actor in the movie did in real life? For instance, I can never watch Ferris Bueller the same way ever since I found out the actor that plays the principal is an actual registered sex offender. Wow, I didn't know that. That actually makes this character more believable. I don't know if I've ever had anything change an opinion I already formed. Tom Cruise? But... Mm. That would be the first one that would come into my mind, but it didn't. Yeah. The movies that he's in already, like it doesn't, it doesn't carry over his acting and his personal life for two separate things for me. And I know that, like me saying that, is kind of I don't know airy, but I really do think that like his performances are completely separate. Yeah, I try to separate the man from the work. Usually, yeah. that's the best way to go. I think it'd be more likely to like if there was someone that I didn't like, like personally, I'd be less likely to, like see their movie in the future versus change an opinion that I already had of a movie or something. Okay, Aaron writes. Hey guys, great stuff as usual. Last episode, you told us about some things you like to do for fun. Joel, I imagine you have a lot of luck picking up ladies talking about hobbies like those. (laughs) What an ass. (laughs) Bird. Okay, so that's what you do for fun. What do you do for careers? You seem pretty intelligent, and you have opinions on topics like financial markets and politics. Your proximity to New York leads me to believe it could be something in the financial industry, but that's just a guess. I understand you probably won't want to give specific roles or companies, but give us a hint. Okay, I'm a uh, graphic designer at a, for your companies, essentially. I am a graphic designer as well at a well-known website. Uh, I'm an accountant. I'm not in the creative field like these other guys. It's I do private accounting. For That's as far as I'm willing to go. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to list where I work. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's, about that's about it. it. Okay, Margaret writes in saying, "Since you asked for more personal questions, I decided to go ahead. One, how can it take you two hours to shave?" <laughs> <laughs> Joel, do you want to uh, elaborate? Margaret, I have the same question. How could it possibly take a human being two hours to do something that it takes everybody else on the planet at the most 20 minutes? Listen, I'll get back to this at the end of the podcast. All right. I'll bring that up again. She says, happy Thanksgiving. We're, we're all. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all in our post Thanksgiving coma here. Yep. I think like I'm dying right now. <laughs> OK, and finally, P.S. Is there anything that could convince Kevin to tell us what it was that bothered him about? Pirates of the Caribbean. Is there anything? <laughs> I can think of one thing. Oh? It's cold and it's hard. A frozen dildo. Maybe maybe one day. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> okay. What do you think you're emo- emotionally prepared to tell yeah, people? Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't revisit it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's in therapy it, right now. Eventually, someday, he'll get I might get need there. it for closure. Okay, yeah, you just keep building it up. Keep building it up. Keep building it up. Keep building it up. People are going to be so disappointed so when they find out what this is. So, this you're is going to get not- lynched. <laughs> 
And finally, Jordan the Californian writes in, he had a very tough weekend. Dear gang, I'm having a really shitty weekend. I occasionally go to a little family-owned movie theater that's downtown from where I live. It's an alright little joint. They carry all new releases and have a better than average arcade. The snag prices are pretty ridiculous, but the cool thing about this theater is that every two weeks, the theater will re-premiere a past movie on the big screen for only $3. Depending on the movie and how boring my life is at the particular moment, it's a pretty sweet way to spend the weekend night. Last weekend, though, something incredibly interesting happened. So, I get my ticket to see The Incredible Hulk and buy a box of nerds for about $6 and get to my seat. <laughs> so far, so good, I guess. After the previews, a group of seven ghetto-looking young boys kicked open the door and waltzed inside talking incredibly loudly and cussing and laughing. No big deal. I thought they'd shut up once they found their seats, but no, I was very wrong. The guy sat down, pulled out a couple of joints, started smoking, and having a little party about two rows behind me. Me and absolutely everyone else in the theater were absolutely appalled by this, so I turned around and did the cliche, do you mind? Some of us are trying to watch the movie line. The only reply I got was a nonchalant middle finger and the ringleader spitting his gum in my direction. Already quite pissed from earlier in the week, I climbed over the two rows of seats, threw my box of nerves at one of the guys, and socked the ringleader in the jaw. Almost immediately, all hell broke loose. After knocking the ringleader out cold in his seat, one of his mates pulled a switchblade out of his pocket, another pulled a kitchen knife out of his pocket, and a third pulled a 9mm out of his sweatpants, aiming at 3 inches from my chest. Before I could register a counterattack, a fellow moviegoer who was an elderly man sitting in the back row pulled out his own gun and started firing in our direction. Completely startled by this sudden shootout, I nosedived down about 2 rows of seats and laid motionless until the complete chaos around me stopped. About 2 minutes later, I peeked my head over the seat and saw my elderly savior was shot dead in his seat. Four of the seven gangsters were slouched over in their seats, dying or dead. The other three ran off, and all the other audience members had cleared out of my theater, except for three or four who weren't hit in the crossfire. Just when I thought my weekend couldn't have gotten any worse, I looked down and realized that I had been shot in my torso. The next thing I remember is waking up in the hospital bed that I am laying in right now, with my whole family around me. When they asked me what I needed in order to make my time in the hospital a little more enjoyable, I just asked for my iPhone so that way I could listen to the newest episode of my favorite podcast in the whole wide world. You guys. I've been a fan since your very first episode, and I'm even a proud owner and in the exclusive club of individuals who owns the infamous seventh episode of the show, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, by the way. Anyone who didn't like that episode can suck Dennis Quaid's emotionless and bland ball sack. Yeah, so there, there, there you go. Your biggest fan, Jordan. That's a shocking tale. That's the story. That's a tale of daring do. Okay, so now it's time for the question of the week. And the question of the week was, what movie best encapsulates your childhood? Vernon Simmons said, a movie that would encapsulate my childhood would have to be The Sandlot. It is by far one of my favorite childhood films. And like the kids in the movie, I can compare that to my own childhood. Just having fun with good friends in the neighborhood, doing what you love. In my case, it was riding around on our bikes, doing mischief. Greetings from Suriname. Keep up the good work, guys. Crystal Cush said, the film that encapsulates my childhood is Beauty and the Beast. I believe I wore out this tape twice as a kid. It's funny to see characters in the movie in real life as well. Whenever I see a buff douche nozzle who thinks he can have whatever he wants, I call him Gaston in my head. Grant said, the childhood movie for me has got to be Spy Kids. If I was a secret agent like the two main characters, then I would rescue my parents from the dangers of evil? How old is Grant? When did Spy Kids come out? I don't know, 1999. Bad Noir Babe said, childhood movie would have to be Labyrinth. Muppets, good story, awesome songs, 
heroines, and fantasy. I can go on and on. This movie will always be the epitome of childhood movies I watched. Rainmaker203 said, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. I watched it dozens of times, and to this day, I'm still waiting for an E.T. to show up at my house. Anonymous said, Transformers the movie. No, not the Michael Bay bastardization. The original 1986 animated film. There was nothing in it that wasn't completely geared toward 10-year-old me. Giant robots violently killing each other. 80s hair metal soundtrack. Leonard Nimoy's voice. Cool-looking animation. Beloved characters swearing for the first time on screen. All combined to create the essential animated film for my generation. It may not be the best movie ever made, but even as an adult, I can find myself sucked into the cool world of the Transformers by this film. Allison said, It's a tie between Aladdin and the Indiana Jones movies. Both remind me of spending time with my dad, eating pizza, and nerding out. But when I was very little, I was so obsessed with Aladdin, I named my first cat Abu after his monkey. Okay, as for next week's question of the week, Reginald writes in and says, what movie would you like to see remade? I think that's pretty pretty good considering the movie we saw. I mean, this is a pretty pretty cool movie to remake, right, Jumanji? Yeah. So what movie would you like to see remade? I'm thinking like movies that came out in the past with like bad special effects that, were, that are good. But for me, it would probably be Batteries Not Included. Oh. I'd like to see that remade. Ah, that's a good one. I see that. All right, so head on over to yazdatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce the movies for the next Listener's Choice poll. And we're going back to the world of disaster movies. And just like with Deep Impact and Armageddon, two of the exact same subject matters came out at the exact same time. We're doing Volcano versus Dante's Peak. Pierce Brosnan versus Tommy Lee Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Which do you prefer? Head on over to yesatbed.com where you can vote in the poll for Volcano versus Dante's Peak. As for next week's movie, we will be watching the ill-fated Sean Connery comic book film, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't want to watch this. It's, uh, it's, it's extraordinary. There's a lot of... It's extraordinarily bad. We didn't get enough of Jekyll and Hyde from, uh, Van Helsing. Good point. Yeah, I don't know vampires. God, enough with the vampires. (laughs) We've all seen this? Yeah, yeah, we've all, we've absolutely (laughs) all seen this movie. I've seen this so many times. I've 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 seen this once in the theater. That's it. It was on HBO, and I think I I watched it, like, every day for a month. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen this movie about 15 times. And it's, it just gets worse and worse every time you watch it. Okay, guys. So to recap, head on over to yesthatbad.com where you can vote in the poll between Volcano versus Dante's Peak. And next week, we'll be watching The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Before we go, I have some pretty cool news for you guys. We recorded a special bonus episode of the podcast where we went to the theaters and we watched In Time starring Justin Timberlake. Let me play a clip for you right now. So Olivia Wilde needs to run to meet JT. And Justin Timberlake is like, hey, where's my mom? It's uh, She's late. So he runs after her. Where's my super hot mom? Yeah, where's my smoking hot mama? He chases after her. <laughs> he runs towards her. Mommy. Uh, Oedipus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when they, they finally meet in this dark, dirty alley, right? <laughs> this is a, a poor setup. On a street. <laughs> they meet in a street, not a dark, secluded alley. That's how I remember. Remember it. Yes. <laughs> Sex each other. <laughs>
If you want to hear this episode, head on over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. Cl- all you have to do is click the like button and the episode's all yours. You can listen to it all you want. Well, that sounds like deal of the century. What would you say if I told you this episode would cost you $5? I'd pay it gladly. How about $10? I'd still pay it gladly because the content is that good. What about $100 trillion? <laughs> there isn't that much money on our planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the low, low price of free, <laughs> this episode can be yours. Just head on over to facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. For free? You're giving it away? You have to be crazy, Joel. <laughs> yeah, just click that like button, get in our good graces, and that free episode is all yours. We're also launching a new feature on the site. We're starting a blog where we can post anything from behind the scenes stuff on the podcast, our own movie reviews on actual good movies. How long it takes Joel to get his makeup ready before we start the podcast. Exactly. The process is, believe it or not, it's really complicated and it's really excruciating. It's amazing the way he looks by the time. Even though this is not a visual medium. He still does it though. Makeup just right. It's about a four-hour process, and it's really heavy. So yeah. once he gets it on, we have to do the podcast straight through. We can't do it. <laughs> the melt under these hot lights. <laughs> Joel needs to look his best to feel his best. <laughs> Sound my best. Okay. Oh, and if at least one person says they wanted to learn about my shaving secrets, I'll write a post on the blog. My deep, dark shaving forbidden knowledge. I'll unleash it. <laughs> Of the world, if anyone's interested. Forbidden shaving knowledge. <laughs> yeah, if you go to the blog right now, which is located at blog.yeahitsthatbad.com, you'll find a little behind the scenes peek at the bonus in time episode. Martin wrote a review of Jay Edgar, and Kevin wrote a review of Like Crazy. So head on over to blog.yeahitsthatbad.com and check it out. We're, we're going to post a lot more stuff on there that's like not always movie related. So you, you'll get more of insight into our personalities. Like, for example, in the previous episode, I mentioned uh, I made a a magic trick video. Perhaps I'll post it. There's interest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get a hundred (laughs) emails. Stupid video of you embarrassing myself. I'll post it on the blog if there's interest. So, once again, to recap, head on over to facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. Click the like button to get the free in-time episode and head on over to blog.yeahitsthatbad.com and read Read some of our thoughts on various issues of the day. <laughs> on politics, economics, philosophy, philosophy, mathematics, <laughs> and science and technology. The new school of Athens at <laughs> yeah, it's that bad.com. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please head on over to Facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. Click the like button. That helps spread the word of the show to all your friends. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad. You can listen to the show on Stitcher via Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. its unimaginable powers until he is magically transported before the startled eyes of his friend Sarah into the untamed jungles of Jumanji. There, he remains for 26 years until the man-child is freed from the... (laughs) Gotcha! (laughs) I got you! I totally got you! I stuck that in there! I stuck that in there! Ha, 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 ha.
child. <laughs> I just picture Adam Sandler coming out at the end. <laughs> How do you free a man child? <laughs>